Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Decisions were made for Christ. So get your Bibles open if you've got them. And uh, we, we, I'd like to see them Bibles in the church. Amen. If you've got a phone, that's fine too, but we're, we're trying to... Learn how to navigate this thing, this physical thing. If you're new, the reason we like to have the Bible is because there's going to be a day, whether you like it or not, that the Internet's going to go down. And maybe not just for a few days. It might go down for good, and you might not be able to have that on your Bible, on your phone anymore. So it's good to know where, that, where this physical Bible is. Amen. But I want to talk tonight about, I was thinking about just again coming off of yesterday and and the funeral and what Jerwan is going through and Mike and many of you are going through things that people don't know about and just continuing to thank the Lord for the, for the church family. Amen. And I want to thank everyone for their family for all the things that were done yesterday and up to the funeral, all those that came to support. And um, I know they couldn't thank all of you, but I thank, I thank you for them. Because that's really where a church comes together and becomes a family, amen, a church family. So I want to talk about the value of the church family tonight, amen. How many know that value is something that is equated in what you put it on? If you, whatever value you put on something is what that is worth to you. And so I would imagine that the value that Christian and Lisa are putting on this church is pretty high right now. Because of the things that they've been through. And, and other people may not have the same value because maybe you haven't gone through something or had a struggle. But whatever it is that you value the church, that's how important it is to you. And I want us to know from the word that, that this, is a, this is a thing that God has ordained. I was reading quickly. I didn't have enough time to try to get some really good numbers. But I, I think it's a pretty good average. They say that only one out of five people in the United States go to church every week and when with that number uh that would go across the board to many religions i would imagine and so we know that not to say that we're the only church because we're not obviously but how many know there's not a lot of bible preaching full gospel churches that are preaching the full truth and so if they're doing that one out of five for just people going to church Imagine how many people are going every week consistently to a Bible-preaching, full-gospel church. Not very many. So we're in an unchurched age. We're in an unchurched generation. And what we're believing for is that in these last days that God is moving and His Spirit is moving, that people are going to come back to church. People are going to have a desire to be in church. And sometimes, unfortunately, it takes tragedies, it takes struggles, it takes problems for people to realize I need to go to church. And this isn't just the recent happenings. There's, I can think of many people across this congregation even that have talked to me and said that the Lord has got their attention and, and, and got them to a place where they realize they've got to come to church. They've got to be in church, and we prioritize that. And uh, by the way, be praying for Pastor Mario. He's not feeling too good tonight, and we're going to we'll be sending him off to Nicaragua and Costa Rica. So... Uh, we were going to pray for him. We'll pray for him at the end of the service, even though he's not here, that he get rest. Uh, he's been feeling bad all week, and that's just the devil. Amen? Because we have a lot planned uh, in, Nicar in Nicaragua and Costa Rica. Matter of fact, he had to drive all the way to Arkansas 
yesterday uh, to get his passport. They had expedited it, and it didn't get here in time. So be lifting him up, be lifting Pastor Jose up, because he also has to go to Nicaragua, and he is also waiting on his, on his visa. So the devil's fighting on every, every, every angle that he can to try to get, keep this trip from happening and this new church in Nicaragua from happening. But we know there's an enemy that's fighting the church. And, and the devil doesn't want, and the demons of darkness don't want people to value how important it is to be in the church. Amen. And so I want to talk about Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. And I'm going to give you four things tonight to write down that uh, I could spend a whole message on. But just to go over four things tonight of, of that we should value in the church. And um, here's the verse for the message. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking. Many of you have probably heard somebody say this, and it's a quote that we use a lot, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So this is why I send out a text a lot of times on Wednesdays, and this is why on Saturdays I'll send out a reminder, hey, let's get to church tomorrow. Let's plan. Here's a revival coming up. Let's plan. Let's, let's be in church. Because how many know if you don't plan, and you don't and you make a decision that you're coming, all kinds of things are going to come up. All kinds of obstacles, all kinds of situations, and one of the greatest ones is just wanting to stay home. And you'll miss out on what God has for you. And so it says, this is, this is a, a command from God. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Every one of us knows somebody tonight that says, I don't need church I, I, I have church all by myself. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because everybody knows someone. Everybody knows several people. I don't, I don't need church. I have church by myself, and, and I, I, me and the Lord are good, and all those different things, except the problem is the Bible says to go to church, and so we should go to church. And what I want you to see tonight and what I want you to value is, un, unfortunately, those same people that say they don't need a church are the ones that are not going to have a church for a funeral. They're not going to have a family to love on them in a deep time. They're not going to have someone to go to for counseling. They're not going to have someone to go to for a prayer chain. They're not going to have anybody to help get them married or pray or dedicate their kids or all these different things that, that are part of our Christian walk, and, and, and that's a sad thing. And they'll realize it, unfortunately, when that happens. So he says, don't forsake it, as is the manner of some. And today I would say more than some, a lot. But exhorting one another. So when you tell somebody, hey, I missed you Sunday or I didn't see you last week or whatever, you're, you're doing exactly what the Bible says. To exhort one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What's the day approaching? It could be the day of our, of our death or what it's really talking about is the day of the return of Jesus Christ. And so the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more we should be going to church the more we should be valuing the importance of being around the body of Christ and coming to church. So, so continue to exhort one another. Continue to uh, send texts out to people. Continue to, to, to reach out to people. Continue to love on people. Um, you can say, let me tell you something, you can say something strong and put a smiley face at the end. So they know that you're, that you're, that you're being stern, but you love them. Amen? Some of you might have gotten one of those from me. I saw, someone, I saw someone that has not been to church for quite a while showing a, 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 a video on Instagram working out. I sent them a message and said, I'm so happy you're working on your physical body. Now get you behind into church and work on your spiritual body. 
with a smiley face. Amen. That's, that's, that's exhorting one another to, uh, and then, of course, the response was a, a heart and a laugh. So I don't know which one was taken. Here's a few things that we should value. Number one, we're living it right now. We've lived it in the last few weeks. We've seen it firsthand. You have somebody in your deepest, darkest, hardest times. I know this is kind of long, to be by your side. Okay, I'll say that again. Number one, you have somebody. Why, why we value a family church family? You have someone in your deepest, darkest, hardest times to be by your side. Amen? We've just, we've just gone through that. Having, having a family around you, having a support system that's there when you go through something you never want to go through. Nobody ever wants to go through or should ever have to go through what they've gone through. But the thing we have to realize tonight, church, is those things are going to happen with or without church. Those things that the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. People are going to pass away. People are going to get sick. People are going to have problems. Things, good things are going to happen to bad people. Bad, people, bad things are going to happen to good people. Life's going to go on. But we have a family, church family tonight, to have by our side, have our back, have around us when we're in that deep, dark time. Romans 12, I'm going to give you a scripture for each one, verses 10 to 13, says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. I bragged last week, last Wednesday, about how our church came around this family, and, and, and it's not just this specific situation, but it makes me very proud of our church to see how we've reacted and how we've acted and how we've loved on this family. That's what the Bible's saying to do. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Look at all these things that are going on on a weekly basis in a church. Imagine the more people we have and we had an amazing turnout Sunday. We, the place was packed in both services, and God moved tremendously. And all those people that were represented in a church service on a Sunday morning, there's a lot of rejoicing going on. There's a lot of patience and tribulation going on. There's a lot of prayer going on. There's a lot of serving going on. All those things are happening in it that only happen inside of a church family. Amen? Steadfast in prayer. You know, we've constantly got something to pray for. I always tell everybody when you come to church, you got, you got enough to pray for just on a Wednesday night before a service, not including anything that you have to pray for for yourself. You got the service that we're in, and you got all these churches that we have around us that we've started that are our baby churches, just, just to start off with, not including all the churches around the fellowship. You got plenty to pray for without all the needs. And then tonight, like tonight, where Jerwan and Angelica and Joe's brother and all these things come through the intercessory chain and we got di different needs we're praying for it. Some, some, some nights are more than others. Church, unfortunately, the bad news is other things are going to happen. That things are going to take place in our lives. We're going we're gonna to have other tribulations. We're going to have other trials. We were driving out the parking lot yesterday and I thank God that we've only had in this building two funerals. That was the second one in five years. Thank God. Say, Lord, let it be several more years before we have another one. But I can't control that. And the truth is, life's going to happen, but we're going to go through it together as a church family. Amen? 
And then it says in verse, was that 13? Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. We have some of the most hospital people, not hospital, hospitable. Sorry about that. We have some of the most hospitable people. I just heard from my wife that my daughter Destiny laughs a lot when I preach about things, or tries not to laugh, I should say, of things I say I don't even realize. Amen. We could probably make an entire video and laugh for days. Amen. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That we, we have people in this place that know how to open their houses, that know how to um, help, that know how to serve. They see a need, and they just meet it. And that's, that's the value of a church family. Amen? Number two, this is so important. When you come to church and you value a church family, a church, fa- a church family. Now, again, saying all this tonight, when I say this, this is giving us the benefit of the doubt that we are a healthy church, which I believe we are. Number two is you have, a peop- you have somebody who holds you accountable. Okay, a, a healthy church, a church family that you value. So if you don't value your church family, you won't value accountability and you won't want accountability. And the truth is, if you don't want to be accountable... You don't have to be. No one can make you be accountable. You have to want to be accountable. You have to say, I, that's part of discipleship. Discipleship is a two-way street. You have to be able to receive. The discipleship can come. The teaching can come. The love can come. But you have to be able to say, I want to be taught. I want to be held accountable. I want you to tell me when I'm doing something wrong. I want you to help me when the Spirit leads you to say something to me. Amen? We have to want that. And in a, in a church that's, a, that's healthy, holds us accountable. Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another daily. On a daily basis. This shows me what we talk about all the time, that this isn't just Sunday night, or Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It's a daily walk. That we're in each other's lives on a daily, daily basis. That... Not, not that we're all involved in everyone's lives. We, we want to be all together, and we have events where we're all there, but some people know other people better and get along with people better. And know, you, know, it, it, that doesn't, you can't know everybody. But whoever's, whoever's in, in your life in that daily basis, and we don't, we, don't, we don't do clicks, we don't do all that. We try to make it to where everybody's getting along with everybody. But, I mean, we would be foolish to believe that not, there are not some people that you like to be around more than others. Or that you get along with better, not even that you like. Or that you have things in common with them. And so exhort daily. So in other words, if, if you're in this church and, and, and you've seen somebody new here and you think the Lord's given you a word for them and you think you should go exhort them, that's probably not the word of the Lord. Because you don't know them. Can I get an Amen. So we have to be wise as well. Like you would exhort somebody that you have a relationship with. You people don't care how much you know till they know how much you. So you can't speak to someone if they don't. They're like, "Who are you? Do I know you?" <laughs> so you could do it, but might not get any results. But when somebody has said, "Hey, here's my number. Call me. I, I, I want you to hold me accountable. I want. I see your life. I want you to help me." When you do that and there's that interaction, then you can exhort one another. Amen? And it says, while it's called today, because this tells us again, tomorrow's not promised. And watch this. Lest any of you, see, when I sent that 
message that said, get you behind the church and get working on your spiritual thing, it's because I understand that person's not promised tomorrow. And, and, and if I haven't seen them in church for a long time, I'm concerned for their soul. But here's another amazing, healthy thing about a church. You know what is, is the most amazing thing about a healthy church? Is when the church itself is doing the exhorting. You're going to get exhorted from the pulpit. You're going to get exhorted from the Word of God. But when it's happening, like I just said, amongst each other, in friendship and in, in, in accountability and in relationship and in small groups and, and in prayer groups and in going to coffee together and all, going to Sunday fun day and hanging out together, when it's happening like that, it's a powerful thing. And so you can get to a place in your relationship where you say, you know what, I haven't seen you for a while, and I'm concerned because watch what this goes on to say. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So when somebody stops coming to church and they start getting out of the, out of the family atmosphere and hearing the word of God and being around believers, they can easily be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Amen? So how many agree that... Have a good church that holds you accountable. Number three, a good, a good thing to value is the help to raise your family. To help raise your family. Now notice I said help. It's not to raise your family. You don't drop your kids off on Wednesday night and Sunday mornings and hope and pray that the church does a good job with them. And all the rest of the week, you don't deal with them at all. We're supposed to confirm and help what you're doing at home. Amen? So it's a team effort, but the things that you're teaching them at home and the things that you're helping with them at home, they come here to get confirmed because we have great teachers and great Sunday school workers and great children's church workers and people who and families that are examples, and, and, and we, we do this all together, and we learn what's right and we learn what's wrong. And, and I've, I've shared this testimony many, many, many times, but there might be somebody new, and, and you might want to hear it. it. I learned from my pastor when my daughters were young. My daughters are both married. They've got kids. They're, they're grown up. But I learned from my pastor through this very example of the value of a church family. He said, don't let your kids go spend the night at other people's houses. I learned that from him when my kids were not even to, their, to 10 years old yet, around that age. And so... I, I took that to heart, and that my pastor and our church fellowship was helping me raise my, my, raise my kids, helping me. So he gave me a good nugget. Not everybody listens to that, but I did, and I took it to heart. And, and looking back at my life, I wish God bless my parents that are watching right now, sitting in their beautiful living room on their couch, and hi, Mom and Dad. They were great parents, but they didn't know any better. At that time, and they let me go spend the night at people's houses. And I got into trouble. And I had some bad influences. And they're old enough to understand that. I turned out okay, so we're good. But that's the truth. I mean, the truth is the truth. And so I learned things from my upbringing. And if I wouldn't have changed that and listened to the, the, the wisdom of God in my life, I would have put my kids in the same situation that I was put in. And so I thank God for that. And that's just one. I'm just giving you an example. And how many know that when you hear the word and you hear an exhortation, it's your choice to take it and do something with it. We can only give you the word and only tell you what the word says. you got to make the choice. But like we always say, don't be the parents or the family that comes at 19, 18, 17 years old and says, help. 
Help, my kids are going to hell. My kids are lost. My kids are in drugs. My kids are... But you didn't bring them to church the entire time they were teenagers. Amen? You didn't value the church family. Now, I pray that none of that, and I don't, that's actually none of you because you're here. But you get what I'm saying, right? you got to listen to the, to, the, to the wisdom, and God gives us all kinds of stuff. So not only raising your family, but helping your marriage as well. It all, it all ties together, okay? Ephesians 6, 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. How many want to live a long life? Then you got to honor your mother and father. And you, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Remember not too long ago that I brought up the fact that it's the man's responsibility? Do you notice there that he said, fathers? It starts with the dad. The dad's got to lead. When the dad's leading, everybody else follows. When there is a family where God bless the woman who is doing everything she can to lead and the husband is not, God does use that woman. He, 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 that's, that my parents are watching again. They're going to get it tonight. My dad was working. He, I'm not saying anything he doesn't say. My dad's saying amen right now. I can hear him. He was working. I didn't know who my dad was till I was 13 years old, and I mean that. I did not know who he was. We had nice things, though, I heard. I heard we had nice things. I don't remember. It didn't matter. But he wasn't at my baseball games, my soccer games, my football games, and he didn't take us to church. Every once in a while, he'd show up on a Sunday night because he'd get off from work, and he'd catch a Sunday night service, and he was happy for that. It wasn't that he was a bad person, and he looks back, and he wished he'd have done things different, but he wasn't there. But my mama took us to church. Praise God for the moms who do what the dad's supposed to do. Amen? And so dads, listen to Pastor Andrew's wisdom and, and don't put your job before church. And many, and many of you, that are, all you men that are here tonight are doing that. You're saying, I got to get off work. I got to get to church. I got to get my family to church. And I can encourage and admonish all of you that have done that tonight. Because you're not going to regret it. Amen? So it's the father's responsibility. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. We need help knowing how to train up our children. And when he is old or she, he will not depart from it. That's a promise. So what we're, what we're doing with these kids back here is so important. Because they're learning stuff that the Bible says when they get old, they're going to come back to it. They're going to turn back to that. And many of you in here tonight are, are that way. Because of the fact that I was taken to church from, from as long as I can remember. Since I could ever remember, even my first remember, I remember sitting under pews in services. Being in church all my life. And so even when I went south and went the wrong direction and got lost and was running from the Lord and doing the things that I shouldn't be doing and on my way to hell, I knew what was right. And thank God that promise came to pass because my parents trained me up in the way I should go. Amen. And then I didn't depart from it. And the last one, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in wisdom and teaching and admonishing. One another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We learn these things. How many times have we heard the story 
and, 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 and we saw the, the video yesterday of kids learning to praise and worship. And, and aren't you thankful your kids are singing godly Christian songs at home instead of satanic cussing words and songs? Amen? How many are thankful that your kids are, are singing those kinds of songs at home? If you didn't get to see it, and, and I, 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 I'm gonna, I'll play it. I'm actually going to preach a whole message on it very soon about praising and worshiping. And you can learn from a kid. Because baby Christopher, there was a video that I think Cassie was the one that videoed it. He, he's, in, he's in the service. He's clapping. Clap. Some of you need, I'm trying not to chase this rabbit, but I'm just going to give a little pre right now. Some of you need to clap because baby Christopher clapped. Right? He's just a baby, but he knew how to clap. Some of y'all, can you just imagine what the service would be like if everybody did this? Amen? And then as he's clapping, he, he goes, both hands. Like this. 17... 18-month-old baby. Who taught him that? Someone in the church. Obviously, God. Straight to the child. But he was watching somebody. If we'd have been a church of this, baby Christopher would have been like this. Right? That's just an example. We come in and we learn. And, and I was just talking to Pastor Jose about this. The way we do our service is so powerful. You might not know that. Because there's a lot of ways to do a service. But we were talking about this lately because we, we meet with the pastors and we talk about, you know, why, we, why the, the service is structured the way it's structured and why we pray and why we take the offering. Like we've always told you, all those things we do are in the Bible. And it's not necessarily to say that there's a right or wrong way or right or wrong order or all that. But we were talking about how if you go into a service and a lot of you are new to the things of God, some, some of you lately have come in and have never been in church in your life. And you guys notice that, just an example, when we start our services, we just start the music. And we just start clapping and singing. No one talks. No one prays. No one does anything. We just start the music. Has anybody ever noticed that? Have you noticed? You might not even notice. You might just be, this is what we do. Some of you don't know any different. But if you were walking into a church and you'd never been in church before, and you're standing there, and the service starts, and somebody gets up and begins to pray a long prayer or begins to say a bunch of things. You don't, you've never been in church before, and so you're like, automatically, what's going on here? Right? But the flip side of that is when music comes on, anybody be like, oh, okay. Music. See, we just started off, and so it makes that person feel comfortable that's never been in church before. And they're, and, and they're, they're not afraid and wondering what's going to be said, if someone's going to point them out or something. So there's things that we learn that are called trade secrets on how to reach people, okay? Another, another thing, and this, this is all, just, in, just giving you some examples of things we learn in church. And, and I learned, most of what I learned from my pastor, I learned sitting at a table, talking, not from a pulpit, just discipleship, just learning. And so that's what I'm trying to pass on to the guys that are, under, you know, wanting to be discipled now in discipleship is that. But 
you watch and you listen. Another thing is, is an altar call. When we do altar calls, there's a way we do altar calls. Have you ever noticed that when we do an altar call at the end, and I say, how many all over this place? You ever noticed that? Maybe, maybe you didn't notice. Maybe that's just all you ever heard, and you don't know the difference. But we say, how many all over this place? You know what we're doing when we say, how many all over this place? We're making every person in the church a sinner. But when you go, is there one? Who's going to be that one? Is there one person here that needs Jesus? And everybody's like, is it me? <laughs> right? Y'all get what I'm saying? See, you don't, sometimes you don't know these things that we do and we have a purpose behind them. And the whole purpose is to learn how to be the most effective in a church service. We don't sing for an hour. Our service doesn't last for an hour. I mean, our, our worship. Because we're trying to get to the Word. Because the Word is what changes people. Worship gets us ready for the Word. Some people, in, in, and especially in Latin countries and other countries, they have it backwards. African countries even, they'll sing for two or three hours. And, and Pastor Gould one time in Africa, he, he flipped it around on them because, because of that reason, people wanted to come hear the Word. And so they would come an hour or two hours later after the service started, because that's how long their music was sometimes, and then they would preach, but they didn't care about being there for praise and worship. They didn't understand that that was a part of their sacrifice and that worship is important, okay? It's important to be at church on time. Okay? Because if you're not, then you're, then you're missing out on, on you're robbing God of your worship. But they, they started coming so late that one time he told me, he said, I'm going to mess them up right now. He said the next Sunday he came to church, and they started the service, and he said, open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. And he started to preach. And he just he did it backwards. He did the message first. And so by the time all the people came in late, the message was over, the service was ending, and they got a bad lesson that day. They said, where's the preaching? They said, he already preached. Right? So there's things like that. You know, those are examples, church. You can learn things in family from other, from other families and other couples. A marriage that's doing well, you should be going to that marriage and saying, can you just give me three nuggets? Humble yourself and go to a marriage that, that, that you see is successful and ask them, what do you, what do, give me three things you do. If you see kids that are, are, are serving the Lord, look at all these teenagers in the front row with notebooks and taking notes and listening. You know how rare this is? Don't take for granted how rare this is. Over here, too, I got these sweet young ladies sitting on my side. Look, just turn around and look what you did. You four ladies, turn around and look what you've done now. Look at our section over here. See, you got our section filled up. Because you sat over there. Someone's got to help you out over here. But y'all know this section used to be kind of thin over here. And I said, someone come sit over here. And y'all started sitting there and look what you did. But you can say, what, what, give me three things. Pastor Bland that will be here in three weeks. Just talked to him today. Got his ticket for the revival. 5th, 6th, and 7th of May. You don't want to miss it. I call him walking wisdom. Walking wisdom. I can call him and say, Pastor, I'm, going, I'm about to do this. He gives me an answer just like that. Walk in wisdom. And so he's coming in three weeks. I used to ask him, Pastor Bland, how come all your kids go to the prayer room? How come all your kids are serving God? How come?" And I'd ask him questions, and he would tell me things, and I learned. That's the value of a church family. 
right? Someone's doing something successful, go ask them. How do you do this? Learn. So, so everything we do in the Bible from the church service sorry, is from the Bible. When we lift our hands, when we clap, when we sing, when we shout, when we give, when we pray, everything's in the Bible. Nothing that we do is man-made. We're doing just being obedient. And what we do is if we take this out of here, so we get to the end of the service, that's why we don't sing a lot of long time, we sing again at the altar call. And we have that time at the altar call. We have that time here at the altar to take the word and let it soak in and let God move. Amen? So, so there's a reason why we do everything. So there's things you can learn. Last one, number four, very important, maybe the most important. The church keeps you in line. That might, that might coexist a little bit with the number two, which was hold you accountable, but it keeps you straight. And today, it's sad, and I'm going to give you a verse in just a second. It's sad because today, we gotta, we, I got to shield you guys from the church as much as I do from the world. For reals. We got to be so careful to what, it's what we listen to. We got to be so careful to the preachers that we listen to. And the, there's so much false doctrine out there. There's so much stuff being preached that's, that's not godly, that's not biblical. And, and we always challenge you to get in your word. When we tell you to read the Bible, we tell you to, to open up your books and read with us. We don't, we, you come challenge us on what this word says. We're, we're open to it. But the sad thing is, the church world. Is, is lost today. So many churches are do, preaching things that aren't godly, and so we have to protect and stay in line. Don't look at, at the church. If the church ain't lined up with the Bible, don't look at that as your example. We do something in this place that's not biblical, you bring it to our attention. We're, not, we're transparent. We want to walk this word. Amen? And so, but the world also, we, I mean, today I don't have to take time to tell you all the things in the world the craziness that's going on. But Isaiah 30, 21 is a great verse. Musicians, you can begin to come. It says, your ears, Isaiah 30, 21, shall hear a word behind you. I like this saying. It's like, it's like a coach. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand, or whenever you turn to the left. How many, it doesn't mean that you're a zombie, but how many would like to have somebody behind you guiding you? Now that somebody is first and foremost God and his word and his Holy Spirit. And then you have people in your life that says, follow me as I follow Christ. And we, we need to have a, a person in our life as an example. So your ears shall hear the word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I want God to speak to me every single day. I'm not talking about brush your teeth, go to the bathroom. I'm talking about the way I'm supposed to live my life, the way I'm supposed to talk, the way I'm supposed to act. I want someone to tell me, left, right, walk this way, amen, and, and do what the word of God says. So tonight, your value that you put on the church is your value. What the church, someone says, what is this worth? And whatever that person says it's worth, it's worth to them. You know, someone might have somebody, something in their, in their collection of something, and someone might try to buy it from them, say, how much is that worth? And that person might say, it's priceless, you couldn't buy it. And that person might say, priceless, why? It's not worth that. And you say, you asked me. You want to buy it? Yes. Well, it's priceless, so you can't buy it. 
right? Or it's this much, or it's that much. You put the value on it. I think that the, the church is priceless. I think that we're living in a day where the church is ex, a, a, being exposed and being attacked more than ever before. And it's the time more than ever before we need to be here, just like you are tonight, to value the, the church family, to value having somebody there in your deepest hour, having someone hold you accountable, having someone help you raise your family and your marriage and your kids, and to keep us in line. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, thank you for this precious congregation that's here tonight to hear your word. Thank you for the time that we're going to spend in just a few moments at this altar. Lord, talking to you, worshiping you, praising you, glorifying you, and allowing you to teach us how to raise our kids, how to treat our husbands and wives, how, Lord, to stay in line. Lord, understanding how valuable it is to have someone come behind me in my deepest, darkest hour and not say anything but just be there. And, Lord, we know tonight that you are the ever-present help in time of need. Lord, the church institution is attacked a lot today because the church isn't being the church. We want to be the church tonight that you've called us to be. Lord, we want to be the body of Christ tonight. We want to be a church that when people come in, they say, I was in the presence of God. Lord, we want to be examples in our marriages, examples in how we raise our kids. We want people to see how important church is to us. Lord, if we value it, other people will value it too. And Lord, as you're moving across this congregation, as you're touching hearts and lives and minds tonight, just open up the ears of any person that's here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Father, all across this house, if we're in a place where we need to be taught something, where we need to change something, where we need to do something different, maybe tonight someone's here and they don't value church. They don't value. They've, they've been taught something that church is man-made or church is institutionalized or whatever, Lord. But, Lord, tonight when it's right, when it's done biblically, church is a beautiful place. It's a place of restoration it's a place of redemption. It's a place of healing. It's a place where someone can come and be safe, where someone can come and be nurtured, where someone can come and feel the peace of God in the midst of a trial and, and, and not even understand why they feel so much peace, but it's because the church is functioning like the way the church should function. How many all over this place tonight, from front to back and side to side, you're not part of the church family? You don't belong to the children to, as a child of God. The Bible says clearly, those who believe in Jesus Christ and put their faith in him are adopted. And they can say, Abba, Father. They become children of God. Not every person in this place tonight, if they don't have Jesus, is a child of God. But tonight you can be a child of God. And if you have never put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. How many all across this place would just say, Pastor, you're talking to me tonight. I want to be a child of God. I want to be born again for the first time in my life. I'm talking to someone who's never done it before. You say, I'm here and I need Jesus. Just lift up your hand and put it right back down. I want to be born again tonight. I want to be saved all over this place. We do this. You know, everybody might be saved tonight, but we're telling the devil this is a place 
where souls can be saved. Maybe you're here tonight and you do know Jesus, but you're not walking the way God wants you to walk. You're not living the way God wants you to live. There's areas in your life he's working on, and tonight you've got to get some things right. There's some things you need to put in order, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. God can touch you at this altar tonight. That's what a service is for. God might be speaking to you something that has absolutely nothing to do with this message. But his presence is here and his spirit is here talking to you tonight. As we stand across this place, we're going to give an opportunity for those watching online, listening on the podcast, to be saved, to be born again. I want to say this tonight. I haven't said it for a while. It's important. Sydney that's back here. Raise your hand, Sydney. Whenever I talk about the podcast or the live stream, I want you to know that it means something. Because she got saved on the live stream in Alaska. Some of you might be new here and don't know that. That's a miracle. Amen. And then God brought her down here. She moved here and now she lives here and she's part of our church and she's She's an uh, integral part of our church. But every time, I think, every time I say that, I think of Sydney. And I know there's more up in Alaska where they don't have a church. And Margie is telling people about Jesus and telling people about at her work. And we don't know who's watching. We don't know where it goes. But that live stream is enough. If that live stream just touched Sydney, it'd be worth it. Amen. Just, just her alone, it'd be worth it. So right now, someone could be in their car. Someone could be contemplating suicide. Someone could be in a dark place. Someone could have found this by, not coincidence, by the power of the Holy Spirit. They may be crying right now listening to this, and they want to be saved. We cannot let this go off without them having a chance to be saved. So we're going to say a salvation prayer from the Bible. You say it after me. Lord Jesus, I believe everything your Bible says you're speaking to me tonight. You're touching the door of my heart. And I ask you to come in. I believe that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost. And I need a Savior. I believe you're the Savior, Jesus. I believe you came down from heaven and died on the cross to take my place to be a substitute for my sin, and you shed your blood on that cross so I can be saved. And then you came out of the tomb and defeated death. I believe that, accept that, receive that as my salvation tonight. Your word says, he who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. Tonight I ask you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I renounce sin. I renounce my old life and my old ways. Jesus, take control. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.